Hello, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. Again, I know I just said it. Good morning. But good hello, morning. Pastor Laura. Hello. It is great to have you. Pastor Laura is our children's pastor. For those of you who don't know her, let's just say hi, Pastor Laura. And uh, we are in the, the second half of a two-week series about financial freedom, living freely. Um, and we're going to talk about that. But first, we've got to start with a game. So I need five kids who will come on up, raise your hand. Uh, Pastor Laura, do you want to call on the kids as I get stuff ready here? Oh, sure. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll have Jalea and Hudson and Elliot, and Ivy, and Spencer, come on down. All right, All you right. Come, come on up right over here and make a circle. All right, yeah, make a circle facing each other, like you're going to play Duck, Duck, Goose, but don't sit down. This is not a circle, folks. You are smart. You know how to make a circle. Thank you, Pastor Laura. You know, okay. you're a children's pastor. You know what they need. You just move them. Okay, so I'm going to hand these out. Back up a little. Take one half step backwards. There you go. There you go. Don't worry. We're going to pass these around. No. Oh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I so thought... That's okay. all right. So I am going to say two words. I'm going to say monkey, and monkey means right. What direction is right? What? Yeah. This way is monkey. Maybe I should just say right. I think just say right. I'll just say right. And then I'll say left. So when I say right, you start passing your gift to the right. And then when I say left, you start passing it to the left. When I say stop, you stop passing the gifts. Okay? On your mark, get set, right. It's kind of like musical. Oh, no. Oh, that's a big one. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep it moving. And left. Keep it going. <laughs> oh, she's shaking it. She's a smarty. Keep going, keep going, wondering what's in there, what's in there. <laughs> it's not mac and cheese. Keep going, keep going. And left. You were already going left. <laughs> okay, we'll go right, back the other way. Go, go, go. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Oh, keep it moving. Keep it moving. And stop. Uh-oh, who has that one? I think Ivy had that one. Ivy's got that one? All right. So here, I want you to all unwrap your presents. Unwrap them and hold it up so everyone can see what you got. You can put the I, paper in here. I have a box. Oh, sour Mike and Ike's. Oh. Yeah, you got them right in your hand. You also got Sour Mike and Ike's? What else? Keep going. All right. Well, open, open the up box. the box. Open you got box. something inside that box. Open Though if box, you're Hudson. like a cat and you're happy with just... Oh, you also got Sour Mike and Ike's. Can you others guess? There we go. <laughs> Hold them up so everyone can see. Yay, Yay! Thank you all. Take your Mike and Ike's and go back to your seat. <laughs> Great no, that's job. a good Great mess. Job. We didn't make a good plan for cleaning up the mess. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. It's a story of that's... the fun we had. Right. <laughs> so today we're talking about giving. 
the gift of giving that God has given us. And with every one of these kids, as they pass the gift, no matter the size of the gift or the wrapping of the gift or the box of the gift, what they got was all the same. And when we are generous with God, we give and we receive. And whatever it is that we need, he meets our need. As long as we're able to give and receive. The problem is sometimes all we want to do is receive or all we want to do is give. And we don't learn the beautiful gift that God has of giving and receiving and letting that cycle of generosity play out in our lives. So that's what we're going to look at today. Our big idea today is that God gives us the gift of giving. God gives us the gift of giving. A lot of G's and a lot of giving in there. But we're going to discover the reality of this through Scripture and through the way God intends us to approach giving. I know sometimes I have misunderstood giving, especially in the church. I don't know why, but something, whether it was the way I was taught or the way I received it, I didn't have a clear view of what the Bible taught and God's gift of giving that he gives us. So today, whether you already got this down, you're like, dude, I do that, or you're like, whew, I don't want to be here anymore. Don't leave. (laughs) Don't leave. Stick with it. It'll be good. And if nothing else, you'll laugh a little bit today. So the scripture we're using to kick this off, and we'll actually use it to wrap up our message, is out of Luke 6, 38. God says this, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, as we get into talking about giving, tithe, offering, We want to start with getting the right attitude about giving because some of us just love to give. Others, it's a challenge for us. Others give for all kinds of different reasons. And we want to to get a little bit, we have a little bit of a, a video with a confession cam for you to get the understanding of some of the, uh, different views that we might have as giving. So let's take a look at that this morning. I give to God by enjoying what he has given me, okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Ha- has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your dore me taken a W-A-L-K, huh? What if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised. It's guaranteed. I know what you're saying. There's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10. So what it says in the Old Testament. It says, test me. Give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. He gives this. I give this. <laughs> right up there. He keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. (laughs) I tithe. 
but just not like in the form of a 10% check per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts, I buy some, boom, that's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom, that's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening and they were charging $25 for childcare. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something, but not now is crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers, but right now is just crazy. Yeah, I have money. That's a fact. But you know what? It's a heart thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. You want it? Ah, come on, pastor. Do what I say, huh? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I hope it doesn't interfere. That everyone can hear how I give with cheer That everyone could be like me of giving from God begins. Tithing is God's 10% plan. As followers of Jesus, we believe God has given everything we have to us, and God asks for us to give 10% back to him. And it's, he's pretty serious about it. Let's take a look at Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. This is what the Lord says. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. That is pretty serious language, yeah. Yeah. right? But this is not the only place that tithe is talked about. It's not just talked about as a stealing from the Lord. Right. It's a gift and a practice that has taken place throughout the entire Bible. So right now, Pastor Nathan and I are going to do a little quick ping pong back and forth of the times tithe is mentioned in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And as we do this, kids and adults, if you want to, too, I want you to point 
to the person who is bringing the verse or the passage about tithing. All right? You ready? Ready. I get to start. You go for it. So you can point at me. Okay. (laughs) In Genesis chapter 14, verses 19 and 20, we see that when God's people were just one guy and his wife, Abram gave a tithe in worship to the Lord. And then in Genesis 28, 20 through 22, Jacob re-ups his side of the giving covenant that God gave his grandfather Abraham by giving God a tenth part of his promise. And in Leviticus 27 and Numbers 18, we, saw, we see that God makes tithing and a official law for his people, tells them what to do with the tithe and where it should go. And then Proverbs 3, King Solomon says that he will tithe and brings it before all of Israel as a normal thing to do. In 2 Chronicles 31, 4 through 5, Israel had forgotten about tithing, had mainly forgotten about following God altogether, but King Hezekiah was turning that around. And part of the recommitment plan was re was bringing that tithe again. When the people heard this, they were excited and gave with rejoicing and wholeheartedly. And then in Nehemiah 10, 35 through 37, the children of Israel were in exile. They were taken over by another nation and were coming back to God, coming back to their home, rebuilding Jerusalem. And part of that coming back to God was a natural understanding that tithe was a return to God. We see then in Malachi, as the verses that we just read about robbing God, that the prophets warn the people against stopping tithing, continue to follow the Lord, follow his decrees. And then, ding, 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 this is the last point. (laughs) Because Jesus commends tithing in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, and this is my paraphrase, Jesus tells the Pharisees, They are giving 10%. Excellent. But they have completely forgotten about justice and mercy and faithfulness. And Jesus doesn't say, the tithing doesn't matter. It's these other things that matter. Instead, he says, you should have done the latter. Had forgiveness and mercy and faithfulness, justice, without neglecting the former, without giving up tithing. So Jesus saw that this was an important part of life as well. Mm -hmm. Tithing is an important part of our lives, but it can seem intimidating. In our day and age, to think about giving up 10%, it can seem scary to think about doing that. And it can kind of seem demanding sometimes of God to say, you must give me this. But Pastor Nathan and I have an illustration that we want to show you that will help you to see the 10% plan. All right, so we have a box here, and it has 100 fall items in it. How many of you fall is your favorite season? Yeah, a few of you. Excellent, excellent. Pastor Nathan is with you. He loves fall. And I really like it this year, too. So we've got, we've got some great things coming out here. We've got scarves. We've got uh, spider placemats and Kleenex. I mean, unfortunately, everybody's getting sick. That's fine, though. It's fine. And we've got apples, pumpkins. What is your favorite fall decoration? Take a moment. Think of your favorite fall decoration or tradition, we could even say, and turn to your neighbor while Pastor Nathan is trying to fit that enormous cornucopia up there. What is your, 
we'll just say favorite part of fall, turn to your neighbor and discuss it. All right, let's check back in with Pastor Nathan. He's doing all right. Oh, do you guys see some of your favorite things up there? We've got a hunting hat. How many hunters out there? Yes. We've got pumpkin pie. How many of you love, pumpkin pie can be a divisive pie. How many love pumpkin pie? How many hate pumpkin pie? Okay, all right, we've got, this is a great place for everybody to come together in agreement and love for the Lord. Another divisive thing we have up here, candy corn. How many of you hate candy corn? How many of you love candy corn? Yeah, excellent. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, he's got my favorite. Oh, we've got, oh, I almost broke my neck on that pumpkin. All right, we've got candy up here. We've got, these are my favorite part. These are little pumpkin party poppers. What? I've never seen these before, but it's my new favorite fall thing. Oh, 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 oh my gosh. Oh my actual goodness. Lord, help us. Okay. Is that it? The, the box is empty. Okay. So here we go. Now, this is a hundred fall things. And now we get to see what a tithe of that would be. A tithe is one out of every 10 or 10 out of every hundred. So we've got one, two, I'll take this precarious pumpkin Three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, we'll take hunting over as a tithe. That's great. Oh, seven, eight. I, I can't. Okay. We'll take, we'll take two trips. That's what I always tell my kids, right? Okay. You take one trip. You take one trip. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, all right. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. Oh, I just need one more thing. Hand me one more. A pine cone. Very nice. So this is a tithe. We believe everything comes from God. God has given us all of this. And this is what he asks us to give him in worship as a tithe. One out of every 10, 10 out of every 100. That is the tithe. So we can see that there. And some people uh, say, well, tithe isn't really talked about in the New Testament. Yeah. And it's true. There isn't a lot in the New Testament yeah, about really tithing. The, that verse that you shared about Jesus talking about the tithe, yeah. that's the only place we see the word tithe in the New Testament. Right. So some people have said, it isn't really required for us anymore. We right. don't have to tithe. It's, it's an Old Testament thing. It's not a New Testament thing. But but we see it all throughout the Bible, and we see Jesus encouraging us to do it. So it's a really good place to start. I kind of think of it like, like, what is the base for giving a tip these days? Not what you want it to be. What is it? 20%. Yeah. That's the baseline. Like, if they just did their job, you give them 20. If they went above and beyond, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll give you a little bit more. And then there's times you're like, you do not deserve 20%. (laughs) 
but that's what I'm supposed to give you. So you give the 20%. Tithe is like that. Tithe is the baseline, the 10% of your income to God. The way the Bible teaches it is 10% of your increase. Um, so, so you think about that how you would. I, we decided as a family long before we were even married that we each were going to give 10% of our income back to the church we attended. Because that's what the Bible teaches, to bring it into the storehouse, to the place that you are serving and are a part. Um, but Jesus mentions tithing on all kinds of different stuff, like the stuff you grow in your garden and the things you get. Other things we can tithe on are our time and our talents, our abilities to do things we get to tithe on. But, but we see in the New Testament, once the that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and went to heaven, the church did something other than tithing. They went over and above. Right. I think part of the reason that tithing isn't talked about in the New Testament is because the churches were giving so much beyond the 10% that the thought of just teaching on giving 10% wasn't really necessary yeah. at that point because they were giving They were so incredibly beyond. generous. Yeah, that it was like, oh, we don't even need to talk about that. We are calling you. In fact, a lot of what we see in the New Testament is the leaders of the church saying, that's enough. You are giving so much. No more. No more. We don't know what to do with all that you've given. The generosity is welling up and flowing over. That's a good problem. I think any pastor would want that problem. I would love to sit up here and stand up and say, please stop. Please stop. We don't know what to do. We're going to have to not be nonprofit anymore because so much is coming in. We don't know what to do. But we don't expect that. <laughs> but we just want to teach what happened in Scripture, what God brought. And then we can say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? How would you want me to respond? Where could I go over and above? So many were moved to give because they saw the need. In our world today, there's so much need. And I just want to encourage you, in this over and above giving, it doesn't have to go to the church. This is a wonderful community where we can pool resources and meet needs that are bigger than any one of us could. But the over and above giving does not have to flow through the church. The tithe, that's the standard we see to bring it to the temple, to bring it to the church. But the over and above, what needs do you see in the world that you would love to be a part of helping out with? I just had someone stop by the church today, this week, and pay for a couple of our students who are going to youth convention. They paid for two of them. They said, I want to do this. Now, that's something that doesn't officially have to flow through the church. But if you know the need in someone's life, give. Or maybe it's your time. Maybe you're someone who doesn't have many finances, but you have time you can give over and above. So you see a need. Maybe another one is because you believe in something. There's something you're like, now, I want to be a part of that. I believe in it. I want to get involved. I want to give to that. Or to help someone you know, someone who is going through a difficult time, or to bless someone, or just to say thank you to God. Or there's a certain ministry at church you're saying, I want to get behind that and be a part of it. Or maybe it's just to show kindness. And sometimes it can even just be gratitude to God, saying, Lord, you have blessed me. I want to give to you out of a heart of praise. Did you know that giving is just like singing songs of praise? That's all part of our worship to God. So when you give, it isn't oh, money. Mm, 
It's taking something that you value and saying, God, you are worth it. You are worthy. In fact, the word worship comes from the word worth. So we offer songs of God because he is worth it. And we give to the Lord and to those in need because God is worth our giving. We see in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. What happens here is not just a have to, but there's a grace when we give. You don't have to raise your hands, but think of a time you gave something to someone and you felt that joy of being able to be a part of giving something to them whether it was your time, your finances, your talents, and you're like, I just feel good. I just feel good about this. I feel joyful. That is part of the grace of giving. And the more you do it, the more you want to do it. The more you experience the grace of giving from God, the more you want to. And there is a grace. It unlocks a grace. If you're someone who it's hard for you to give, for whatever reason, maybe you have a lot of finances, maybe you don't. Maybe you have a lot of time, maybe you don't. Start somewhere. And just see if God's grace doesn't start pouring through that little pinhole of what you're able to give and increase in you. And the reality is anything we have is a gift from God anyway. Just like the kids passing the presents. They didn't wrap the presents. They didn't buy the presents. They didn't bring the presents up here. But they were able to give the presents to each other. And then everyone got something in the end. When we give, we didn't earn the money. God gave the money to us, whether it was through our work or through our investments or through inheritance or however you've received the finances you have, God was the source of them. He might have used different pipes to get them to you, but he's the one that's given them to you. So there's a grace in giving. There's another, just a few verses earlier from the verses I just read. There is a a passage that blows me away. I love it, and it is just a revelation of the miracles, the miraculous of God. So, 2 Corinthians 18. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So, think of this as an equation. What different parts do you have in equations? Sorry, students, I know you're not in math class, but just stick with me here. So, the first part of the equation Maybe you could say it's a recipe, too. A very severe trial. So if you've ever been through a hard time, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a broken relationship, maybe it's just disappointment, things didn't go your way. These people were going through severe trial, except the trial they were going through is like people were beating them up and calling them names and throwing them in jail. That's some serious trial. So that's part one of the recipe or the equation. The second part is overflowing joy. So in the midst of their hard times, they're still like, man, I'm still happy. You can't get me down. Jesus is good. I've got hope. I'm going to heaven when this is all over. God is good. The next thing that came in was extreme poverty. Extreme poverty, not just poverty, poverty. That's bad enough. Extreme poverty saying, I don't know where I'm going to, what I'm going to eat. I may not know where I'm going to live. They were incredibly stricken in this situation. A lot of it was because they followed Jesus. In this culture, people would cut them off. They wouldn't be able to do business if they didn't worship the gods out there and they worship Jesus. So they don't even have a source of income. So what are the parts of the equation? There is severe trials, there is overwhelming joy, and there's severe extreme poverty. What does that produce in their life? 
Overflowing generosity. Just an explosion of generosity. Yay! That's what came out. So like the guy talking about, it's just crazy right now. Okay, it's crazy. Not normal crazy. Crazy, crazy. When we wait to give until it all works out, we're never going to give. I don't know about you, but I have never gotten money that I'm like, I have no idea what to do with this. Maybe you have, and praise God for that blessing, but I already have spent that four different ways in my brain when I get it. So I'm never going to have enough to give because I could always spend it on something. But these three things, severe trial, overflowing joy, and extreme poverty welled up to rich generosity. We see an example of this, but Before we see it, we need to understand it's not about the amount that you give that God cares about. He's not saying, did you give $100? Did you give $1,000, $10,000, $100,000, a million? He isn't looking at the amount you give. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at the inside. When we give offerings here, it isn't just to get money to make the church run. Now, that's the model that's working, but if we've gone through times here at Highland Church years ago where we didn't ever get enough money in the offering to make the church run, and God brought money in from outside the church to keep this church going. So what that has taught us is we don't look at you to provide the money for the church. We look to God, and he will provide it. And lately, you have been giving generously, and we've been able to plan for the future and invest in repairs without saying we need a special offering for the carpet. We need a special offering for this. Now, that time may come in the future, but we're working hard to manage the money well so we don't have to. So I'm not, we're not sharing this to make you give. We're sharing this because it's the heart of Jesus, and he looks at What is in your heart as you give? So we're going to watch a little video to help us understand Jesus' view about this. Stories of the Bible. The widow's offering. This is Jesus. Who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like calming storms and even raised people from the dead. One day, Jesus was in the temple teaching people and answering questions. He sat down near the collection box where people would bring their gifts to God. He watched as the crowds dropped in their money. He saw rich people drop in lots of money. And then he saw a poor widow come and drop in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others. He said this was because the rich people gave a small part of the great amount they had. But the widow was very poor, and she gave everything she had to live on. Hey, (laughs) God is so good that He gives us the gift of giving and the grace to give. I get to share on my favorite point of the, whole, of the whole message right now, and that is that God's goodness is given back to us when we give. 
God gives us the gift of giving, and then he gives on top of that. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be, not be enough room to store it. And there are three types of blessings that I want to talk with you about this morning as we wrap up with this final point. Because it's not all like the investment giver from our first video. (laughs) You give this much, you give this much. Because it's not always that God is going to, you give $50 and God's going to bring $50 in through the back door. He gives in many different ways. And three of those blessings from the Lord we're going to talk about right now. The first blessing is the freedom Mm. that comes when we worship God through giving. Money can easily become an idol in our lives, something that we trust more than we trust God, because we can see it, we can touch it, we can see, I can go pay for that thing if something goes wrong. And we can put our trust in the amount of money that we have. But God calls us to put our trust in him. And when we follow him and obey him by giving that tithe, by giving over and above, by giving generously, there is a freedom in our souls that comes from worshiping him. That is a blessing from the Lord that is poured into our lives when we give. Another type of blessing that we can get, and I love talking about this in Kids Rock, is that when we give at church, when we worship God through giving, we get to be a part of building God's kingdom here on earth. He works through the money we give, makes it go farther, makes it do things that are beyond what we could do or imagine. When we give at Highland, whether you are in Kids Rock or youth group or here in big church, you are a part of building God's kingdom around the world. In this last year in BGMC, which is where we give in kids to missions, we have seen water filters bought for families in Africa, food supplied for kids in countries and in situations where there is not enough food for them. Or in a big church, we've seen missionaries supported. Even uh, in our own city on the UWSP campus, we have seen God do amazing work and build his kingdom through the money you give. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday nights, we have about 70 kids and leaders who are coming out every week to grow in Awana, our midweek kids program. Pastor Bob is leading with 20 kids and leaders at youth convention this weekend. Is it more? No, not at youth convention. 20. Yeah, at 20. Yeah, but on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, it's like 30. 30, 35. Right, that are coming out every week to grow in the Lord. And in the last six months, we have seen 130 different kids, different kids come into Highland Kids Services on Sunday mornings. What you give is building God's kingdom here and around the world. And that is a blessing that you get to be a part of doing God's good work around the world. And then the third blessing is financial. It is God's provision. Or it might not be exactly financial, but it is God providing. 
it might be somebody showing up at the exact moment that you needed that those groceries or that money. Him providing miraculously, unexpectedly. It might be something lasting longer than yeah. it was supposed to. Like, yeah, we had a stove. I mean, five years ago, we were going to buy a new stove because it was dying. It's still working. Right. We still have, I mean, Christy would like a new stove, but the one we have continues to work when it should have been dead at least five years ago. Our right. furnace keeps working way beyond its normal life. I mean, it's just God has taken care of us in those ways. Yes, God provides in miraculous ways. Uh, one way that Tim and I have seen this kind of provision happen in our lives was through our garage. When Tim and I bought our home, we were so excited that it had a garage. And sure, the garage was leaning and twisting and sagging, but it kept a roof over our cars until the insurance company said they didn't know that it would do that for much longer and they would no longer insure at the garage or anything in the garage. So, uh, out with the old and build up the new. But... In that process of pouring the foundation for our new garage, the dump trucks and concrete trucks ripped up our blacktop driveway. It looked like a post-apocalyptic nightmare. It did. I drove by it every day, and I'm like, oh, those poor people. It was, it was just like bad. buckled, and chunks were missing, and we're like, okay, I guess we're replacing the driveway, too. And, you know, I mean, that is an added uh, stressor on yeah. top of things. And we knew that was not going to be finished before winter. But our contractor told us he thought he could have the garage finished by the end of November, by the end of December, <laughs> by the end of January. Nope. And finally, after six months of no forward progress on the garage, our contractor talked to me and Tim and said, hey, I understand if you want to get a different contractor. Have so, you ever been fired from a job where you did the hiring? <laughs> now, Laura, you said you were going to share about the blessings that yes. you... Yes. Okay, just wanted to check because in. Because sometimes, I mean, what did we say? The strife yes. and the... Extreme the poverty. Extreme poverty. Well, well it, I don't know that it was extreme poverty. Well, if you were going to... But it was to, severe trials. Yeah, okay. Trials. All right. So, so there we were, garageless, contractorless, driveway-less-ish, driveway yeah. with not enough money to replace that driveway. This set the perfect scene for God to provide. And he did. Amen. Because by the end of that summer, we had a beautifully finished garage, a wonderful driveway, and it came in at $3,000 less than it was going to cost to build the original garage. <laughs> and Tim only almost fell off of the garage roof once. Well, only once, yeah. Only one time. There he is. Well, that's because he him. was trying to take a selfie. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and you got your whole family involved, didn't you? We did. You? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Spencer helped tear things down. It was, yeah, it was a good time. And God provided for us. And we could praise the Lord and say all glory and honor to him. Mm. Because it was a miracle that we could not have made happen. God brought it together. Worshiping God through giving doesn't negate suffering or trial or trouble. You are going to have those things. 
And worshiping God through giving doesn't guarantee you're going to get that raise or get that $1,000 bonus. But it does promise that God will give you his blessings. That's right. He, maybe it will be spiritual and emotional, that freedom mm. from money being your idol. Maybe it will be the supernatural joy of knowing you are a part of building God's kingdom around the world. And sometimes it is God's provision financially, whether it's something lasting longer Mm -hmm. or somebody showing up at your doorstep at just the right moment unexpectedly with what you need or a house project getting finished (laughs) and coming in under budget. There you go. That is a miracle. God's word has promised it and my family has experienced it. Mm. That when we worship God through giving, first the tithe and then over and above, we experience his goodness. God's gift. God has truly given us a gift through giving. It's true. I just want to share this verse and then wrap it up. So kids on the worship team, you can come on up. Luke 6, 38 says this. This is where we started. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over like this. By the way, if anyone wants me to come and do their fault decor, I mean, I do a good job. Running over, it will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. God gives us the gift of giving. I just want to close here before we do one more song and worship with prayer. I think finances and generosity is something each one of us can use God's grace in more. Maybe for you, it's something you do and you love, and you'd love to be able to give more than you can right now. For others of you, this is just a challenge. It's like a brick wall you keep running into, and it's just hard. And God wants to pour out his grace today. Maybe you're in extreme poverty, and you need God to provide for you. But wherever you are in this, I'm going to pray for you, for God's grace to rest on us as a congregation and us as individuals, that we can be a part of the great gift of giving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace of giving, that you gave first, that Jesus, you came and you gave your life, that Heavenly Father, you've given us this incredible world to live in and this church family to be a part of. We thank you for your goodness. But God, we're just saying we need more of your grace for giving. Help us be generous people that look for opportunities to give rather than reasons not to. We pray you'd be glorified through this, that we could be a part of building the kingdom of God for now and for eternity. Bless your people and let your grace of giving rest on them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening and please join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service.